0: Welcome to Leader to Leader with Pastor John Bailey. We are so glad you're here today, and I am excited. Today is going to be a really good day. We have one of my favorite people, uh, Natalie Runyon, uh, is with us. And, you know, we did a podcast just a few months ago, I think probably five or six months ago. And it really, uh, just from the very moment that we started, uh, there was just a divine connection. And I follow her on a lot of her social media I, I, I think Natalie has some of the best quotes right now in the church. So if you're a pastor, leader, and you need some good quotes, go on to Natalie Runyon. Uh, she has a wealth of wisdom and just good words to say. So with all of that, Natalie, uh, welcome to Leader to Leader.
1: Hi, John. Thanks for having me back.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's really it's really good. Uh, a world challenge, and Natalie Runyon, we're, we're excited about maybe next year doing a, a conference and having you come be a part. Yes,
1: I'm, I'm so excited. You guys are family, so anything.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. Anything. Did you hear that? She said <laughs> uh, So, no, anyways, hey, just give me a, a, an update. We did this podcast, what, about five months ago or so. And, and you were just, Natalie's just sharing with me some of the testimonies that came as a result of that. So what is God doing with your book, Raised to Stay, incredible book. Um, uh, it's great for people that have gone through church uh, church herd and just difficulty. So maybe you just give us a quick testimony about what's happening with your book and uh, sort of what's happened with your ministry.
1: Well, it was amazing because the podcast came out about two months before the book released, about a month and a half. And when that podcast dropped, I was floored at the reaction. I had no idea that the response of the church, especially, and people Mm -hmm. who had left the church would be so quick to respond to it. And I woke up one morning to probably 30 DMs um, and then TikTok was exploding. And it was such a beautiful display of just people feeling seen and people feeling validated in their pain. And you and I had talked about a painful church experience that you know, I had walked out and how God redeemed it. And so through that, over the last several months, the book released in July. And between the podcast and the book, it has just been a constant flow of people writing in and saying, thank you so much for making me feel less crazy. Thank you for validating (laughs) my pain. Thank you for validating my story, but encouraging me to not quit, to not give up. And as a result of Your and I's podcast, I've had several people say, hey, I went back to the church that I was hurt and I found out they didn't like not want me there. They really did love me. And so there's been healing and it's been slow, but I want to thank you. And just a lot of people showing gratitude and almost relief that they don't have to live with this pain that they've been living with for so long.
0: Well, that's great to hear. So you're saying that when people hear about our crazy, it makes their crazy feel less crazy, right? <laughs> it's right. I was
1: like, well, I'm glad that my pain could uh, overshadow your pain.
0: <laughs> there you go. Well, that is great. Well, you know, here, not uh, let me speak this as humbly as I can, but um, uh, we had over a million views with that. And so it was one of the highest we've had at World Challenge. So everybody here, I was telling them, I was like, well, you know, My uh, podcast had over a million views. And Natalie Runyon might have had a little something to do with it. (laughs) I'll
1: tell you what, the World Challenge Stayer Community was on fire with that. So we'll we'll give credit to our communities for carrying that around the world.
0: (laughs) Well, what was great, it was a great message. And it was, I mean, it was just you telling your story. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful story. It's great to see what God has done. And so today we want to launch off. I want to just talk a little bit about some of your story and we have two podcasts next week we're going to come back with another one and that one we're going to focus on if we if there is, if we're building a culture in our church that heals uh, rather than hurts what does that look like how do we do that mm-hmm. and today we want to talk about some of the magnitude of hurt and some of the things that you know sometimes as pastors and leaders we set in the church and we have our own you know sort of viewpoint that's a little limited and being able to to look and and we we have a culture that's going, hey, there's a lot, there's been a lot of hurt in the church. So just really helping pastors to understand and leaders the, to understand the depth of the hurt. And we can't fix what we don't engage with and understand. And we want to grow through that. So hey, it's like AA, first thing you have to do is realize you have a problem. Mm-hmm and then you can start to grow. And so today is that just initial thing. You're raised in the church. You're a pastor's kid. uh, You're growing through some of those things. So what were some of those initial moments that you were like, hey, I know church is about Jesus, but sometimes it hurts.
1: I think a lot of us in our formative years, and I would call our formative years, you know, late teens under our 20s, there is a little bit of this disillusion that happens if you've mm-hmm. been raised in the church. Suddenly these people who are supposed to protect you uh, may not be protecting you. Or if you're in ministry with your parents, you may see your parents uh, rejected or betrayed. So there is this little seed of doubt that is now planted in, in your mind that maybe these people who say they love me didn't love me, and maybe this church that's supposed to protect me isn't going to protect me. And what I've learned is that the world is a ready receiver for those the uh, church rejects. And so a lot of people between social media and different other outlets, when the church hurt them, when when they were betrayed by somebody who was a good friend, or they were disappointed by a leader, they were able to find a, a, a pseudo community in the world and kind of just go out and find other people who would love them the way that they were desperate to be loved. And what's Part about that is that the church doesn't know what to do with hurt people. I have learned that the church doesn't necessarily know how to bear a burden, but we do know how to pick up an offense. And so when we see, you know, a lot of people wrestling with their faith and wrestling with hurt, the first thing we want to do is defend the church. And what we need to stop doing is defending the church and start leaning into people and listening and listening to what they're telling us because they're giving us wonderful insight into how we as the church need to repent, but also change so that we're not hurting people you know, unintentionally, but definitely so we're not hurting people intentionally. And I think there's just a lot of disappointment. There's a lot of people who have been badly disappointed. And as a result of that, it has festered into hurt and, just, and a lot of other emotions that the world will help them process, but we as the church need to be the ones to help them process it.
0: No, that is so good. You know, I recently was dealing with an issue in a church. and uh, And one of the things that came out was, where people in leadership coming back and saying, hey, if you say something about this, if if this comes out, it's going to hurt the kingdom of God, it's gonna hurt the church. When, when I'm saying back, you know, actually, it may be the first step to really start to heal things because you wanna hide, you wanna protect, we wanna, you know, protect the brand. And I think that God in heaven is going, yes, it's great that people are being saved, great people are being baptized, but truth is important, and and doing things in a way that protects the church family is also important. And so as you navigate through that, we have to figure out how to do good ministry and do it in a way that protects and heals.
1: Absolutely. Our job is to protect the sheep, hands down. That's mm-hmm. our job. And so when we— come into a situation where we are seeing the sheep being compromised we have to do something we can't just sit back and say well I don't want to cause any type of a ruckus or look divisive there has to be a balance of honor and honesty in the kingdom of God here on earth we have to be able to be honoring of those that are in leadership over us but also honest when we see something that is hurting the sheep and that's where I want to see change I want to see people stepping up and saying I don't care what your position is what your title is. You don't get to hurt the sheep, and that's really, from in my opinion, where we can start is to not let people hurt the people we're supposed to be protecting.
0: That is so good, and you know, and just to hone in because you know this is leader to leader, and a lot of pastors, leaders in ministry that tune into us. And so I, I have a couple uh, kids of my own, and you know, I was youth pastor at a large church. I know you've been at some mega churches. Uh, been a missionary, pastor to church, and man my kids could write a book <laughs> on the personal hurt, the disillusionment with, you know, people in positions and we 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 all could probably anybody that's watching probably could tell a lot of stories. So how do you, you know, being a former uh pastor's kid that's now also done ministry in some pretty amazing places uh, large places, anyways. And so, how, do, like, what are some things that we can do to protect our children? or when they go through wounds, what are some ways that we can do to minister to them so that they can navigate through some of the hurts that they face?
1: I mean, I have my own 11 and 14 year old daughters right now. And I I feel that that's a challenge for even myself, not wanting them to walk out things I had to walk out. And so sometimes I can be that helicopter mom trying not to uh, let people hurt them the way they hurt me. But what I am learning is that I can never over communicate with my kids. And Mm. when it comes to church they need to hear me honoring leadership. Absolutely. They need to hear me speaking well of the pastor and speaking well of the the pulpit and those who are in leadership and in shepherding. But we also have space where we can say the hard things without any retaliation or judgment. So if a if my kid comes to me and says, mom, that youth pastor makes me uncomfortable or that congregant, I don't like being alone with them. Or I heard this person say this, what do you think they meant by that? We're going to sit and wrestle with that as a family, because I want them to know that they are my first ministry, and that church is a great place. But there are a million churches in America that we can choose from. And if we're in an unhealthy one, I want my kids to know that I will not ask them to be anywhere where they're uncomfortable. Now, some kids can just be teenagers and not want to go to church, but we have to know that there's no junior Holy Spirit. So when our kids mm-hmm. start discerning things and start hearing things, we as parents, again, don't need to be defending the church. We need to be listening to our children and helping them unpack their own hard situations in churches. Sometimes we're going to stay and we're going to contend for it. Other times the Lord may be inviting us to go into a new environment, but we make decisions as families. We have conversations as families. And you know it's hard in a pastor's home, you can hear a lot of gossip. You can hear a lot of things you don't want to know about people because you know your parents are praying about it in another room and you happen to be connected to the wall next door. Um, And so we can't protect them from everything. But I think keeping those lines of communication open with our children is the first ministry that we have to make sure that they're safe. So being good listeners um, and also being honest with them and saying, yeah, that's right. That wasn't okay that pastor so-and-so did that. It's not all right that that individual said that, um, and here's how biblically we're going to handle it.
0: You know, as we, as we you know, talk about, you know, these kind of things, it's easy for us to look at a child or a teenager and go, well, they're just young, they don't really understand, because sometimes we get into church culture so long that we accept things, and there are moments, now I agree with you, there are times that, uh, you know, we're not, you know, turning over the leadership of the church to children, however, those voices can be very honest. And sometimes when we negate or we don't listen to those gnawing voices, those voices can be the Holy Spirit speaking to go, hey, this is not all right. And don't just let it go. We have to speak to it as a church.
1: It's right, because we don't want our kids to think that discernment is judgment. We want Mm -hmm. them to be operating in the gift of discernment. And so the more that we are just turning to wonder. And I wonder what would make my child think this or believe this or hear this. We can ask more questions and turn to that wonder versus like trying to just gaslight them into thinking that they misunderstood or they didn't hear right. Like I think as parents turning to that wonder and having that childlike wonder um, can actually really give us insight, Holy Spirit insight into things that are happening in this, in the supernatural.
0: So you go through your childhood, teenage, even young adult years. If you read the book, it's just like a great journey. And so you finally come to the place, and you go, you know what? I've been in church all my life, and uh, hey, this hurts. Sure. Uh, you know, give you a little bit of my testimony. You know, I, I was in bars and clubs and bouncing bars and everything else. Well, I come to know Christ, and I'm like, well, now I'm going to go hang out with all the nice people. And about six months into it, I'm like. Dang these people! (laughs) And so, uh, and so I say that I, I say that to go. You came to a place in your life, and you're like, you know what? There's a lot of unhealthy behavior in the church, and you had a choice. You you said, do I stay in this and continue on with it, or do I just walk out and just have a personal relationship with Jesus and not really. Uh, continue to encounter with, with the church. And that really is the basis of your book, Raised to Stay. So when you had that moment where you had to say, hey, am I staying or going? Tell us how you navigated through that.
1: I was bivocational for years. You know, I think a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to go into ministry and I'm going to make a uh, you know, this huge salary and I'm going to be able to just, you know, get rich off ministry. And I want to just remind all of us, nobody's getting rich off ministry. Uh, so I was bivocational for a good amount of time as a teacher and there was one assignment that I was on where I was uh, leading worship for a church in Cincinnati and there was this moment that I had, and I'll never forget it, where I had to sit with a woman who was just grieving something horrible. And... Mm -hmm. Old me would have run away from that because I didn't want to feel pain, I didn't want to insert myself into somebody's life. I was afraid if I got too involved, I'd never get out, you know, all of the pastor kid fears of like, you know, overcommitting and underdelivering and it was in this moment sitting with this congregant who was mourning that my heart broke for her. And it was mm-hmm. the first time as an adult that I found myself loving the church not as a pastor's kid but as a christ follower and as a leader Amen. and when we pray that prayer God break my heart for what breaks yours well we break his heart you know when we're when we're mourning he mourns and when we're happy he's happy and that assignment at 33 years old was when I really realized like no i I really want to be in the church I want to love people well mm-hmm. and I want to do it better I want to do it better than people did it to me and um, I want to model what healthy leadership looks like. And so that's really where it changed for me from being transactional and almost like a family business I didn't want to now being my own ministry and letting the Lord begin to craft that. Really in in a time where some people would have said I was past my ministry prime, we see these twenty-year-olds coming into ministry. Uh, many would have said at thirty-three that was too too old for that to happen, and it wasn't. It was just it was just the beginning,
0: you know. <laughs> well, I'm really old. If you if thirty-three was old, that was the age of Jesus. <laughs> by the way. so uh, <laughs> so let me just so when you know when you're uh, when you're talking about this, um, you know, when, somebody said to me a long time ago, and I found it to be so true that uh, you can't change anything from the outside in. So sometimes when we we look at the church and we see the weaknesses and we go, hey, they're getting it wrong, the culture is wrong, or this is wrong, or that's wrong, and and we go, well, I'm just gonna separate myself. But the only way that you can really make a change is from the inside. And once you get inside, and and I so thank God that your choice was to go, you know what? I'm gonna stay in the church. I think it was a good personal choice for you but you have benefited the body of Christ because you did choose to stay. And now you have your bell and you're ringing it and you're going, hey, this is what healthy church looks like. And so so the effect of that has been really powerful.
1: Thank you. I, you know, it's not from not trying to quit. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we. <laughs> I think we all come to these moments where we're like, you know, Lord, you could choose anybody else. Like if you could just choose anybody else but me. But I, I was just praying about it yesterday, how— how actually it's really brave to stay. It's really Mm -hmm. brave to insert yourself into a community or into something where there needs to be change and to not run away from it out of fear um, of of getting hurt again. And one of the things I'm learning in the last couple of months through all of these conversations with people who are writing me about the book is nobody wants to quit. Nobody is choosing to get hurt. But when they look from the outside in, it's easier to quit than to contend for healthy culture because they've seen what's happened when they've tried to contend for healthy Healthy culture. They've been called divisive or gossips, uh, Jezebels, Leviathans. I mean, they, you know, the church gets really um, defensive when we come in and say, Hey, I wonder if we did this better. And all I'm saying is that you have a lot of people, as leaders, we have a lot of people who want to see the church healthy. And just because they're saying, Hey, I wonder if we could do this better, it's not a criticism but it's a suggestion to change that maybe upper leadership hasn't been able to see because they've been in the weeds. But your congregants and your low-level staff who are you know hourly, not salary, the people that are with your congregants more than maybe some of your senior pastors are, are the ones who are really advocating for that change. And so it's, it is hard to change from the outside, but I think a lot of people feel safe there because if they're on the outside, then they can't get um pulled into the drama, they can't get hurt again. so they'd rather complain from the outside than come in and be agents of change. And you know, I, I want to challenge anybody who has prophetic insight into how the church can can grow in Christ to come in and and to use your voice to and you know, to invoke change, not to bring more criticism um, because we're really past that now. This generation doesn't want to hear what's wrong. They want to know how we're going to make it right.
0: We live in a culture right now. The, the trust in America is probably at all-time lows when it comes to trust in the church. And some of that, and I put myself in this category, and there's a lot of others, that, you know what, in the past, sometimes we have looked the other way. But uh, I, the church has got to say, hey, if we don't start to turn things around mm-hmm. uh, and begin to, to, to really believe God for healthy culture, uh, we're going to continue down this path. And so uh, so my question is this, in your ministry and the things that you do, you have to hear all the time from individuals, from churches that have been, uh, pastors that have been hurt, uh, and, you know, just ministries that are going through difficulty. And we have pastors and leaders that are watching and we're going, how how do we confront this this nearly wave of people that go, I don't trust the church? And, it, and for a lot of times, it's not even that I'm going to walk away from Jesus. I'm just going to get my Bible, go home, and thank you very much. H- how do we start to turn the tide and go, hey, we hear it, we see it, we have to make a change so that these people who don't trust the church start to see a pathway back to the church?
1: Well, we have to, first of all— be willing to listen. We have to be better listeners than we have been. We have we have passed the buck a ton to people because we haven't known how to have the conversation. And really, people don't necessarily want the senior pastor to take them to coffee. That would be great if they could. But really, they're looking for that person in the church who's not going to just have one conversation with them, but somebody who's going to disciple them and people who are going to mentor them and people who are going to see them not just as a transaction or as a but and a seat but see them as a valued member of this family that we promise that we are and we say we're the family of God but we're so quick to kick people out or, or ignore people when they don't hit an agenda that we need and so I am I am really believing that if we as the church can do what we are called to do which is love God love yeah. people and go and make disciples that we will get back on mission and be that safe place but you have to remember Right now, there are a lot of people walking around with secondhand church hurt. They haven't even been hurt by the church. But because of all the documentaries and all of the things that have happened to people that they know, they're already walking into churches expecting to get hurt. So, as leaders, we already have an uphill battle to win people over whom we haven't even hurt yet. They're just expecting us to hurt them. So, that is why we have to <laughs> disciple, we have to raise up leaders who aren't just there for a platform, aren't just there for a, a paycheck, but who are deeply invested in the sheep. And that's why I say, if you have to clean house of a, in a staff, clean house. I would rather have, you know, five pastors than 12 giggers who are just there to make a paycheck um, because our people need to be pastored and get that trust back
0: those are good words right there. So, um so as you start to go through and deal with pastors and I think that some of the challenges that we have as pastors and leaders is that we look and we go, "Hey, there's there's these people that offend." And 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 there are people that are just chronic offenders. They offend, they hurt, they bring brokenness, not just once or twice, but have patterns of it. And then we go, "Hey, but if we take that on or if we deal with that, you know, like you said, the butts in the seat may may walk out, uh, money may walk out, and so if you were talking to a a, a pastor leader and you're going, hey, w- we have to fight for more than that. What what are, what is something that you would say to that pastor leader to go, hey, this healthy environment, this being a healer and 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 dealing with the hurts that are in the church. This is really more important than how large your church is.
1: It's true. And, you know, I know we need staff. I know we need— uh, dynamic leaders. I know it's hard to find uh, people who can run something like a CEO and also a pastor. It's, it's hard. And churches nowadays are running more like corporations and less like uh, an uh, old time church, right? We're, we're running more like the business side of things. So when you find a leader who's dynamic, but they're also pinching under the table and causing discomfort for people, we owe it to our sheep to investigate every time we are told that there is a leader who is not healthy or is hurting someone. And I understand that it could mean firing someone. I understand that it could mean an investigation. I understand that it could put you in a news report you don't want to be in. But our job is to protect the sheep. And I have watched staff after staff be destroyed by one unhealthy sibling who was pinching under the table and started running off some of your best staff. Because again, your staff is probably gonna contend, uh, less likely to contend for healthy culture and rather just quit because they don't want to be called a gossip or divisive. So my suggestion is listen to your people and take every accusation seriously, invest every accusation. We will pray, it's not true. We will pray that we can Matthew 18 this and that we can all live in harmony the next week. But we owe it to our staff and our sheep to take everything seriously until it's proven to not be. And I think that what's happened is the church has just kind of um, saved the talented people and said, well, no, we need what they have. We don't need anything that people have. We have God and our job is to protect the sheep, not to protect performers Um, and, you know, politicians that can sometimes find their way into our churches.
0: Yeah. And listen, I have been guilty of it. I will be the first to tell you as a pastor and leader, you see people that come in that are incredibly uh, talented, have a lot of potential. You try to work with and instruct and help. And, you know, at some place there, you have to go, let's look more for character than people that are highly talented, and it is it is it can be difficult for pastors and leaders that are watching to go. You know, so I'm going to hire somebody that's maybe not as uh, competent, but they have more character. And if you and if you were talking to that pastor right now, what would you say?
1: You know, I would say that's why you have to hire slow and fire fast. <laughs> you know, <it's>, uh, <laughs> you know that the hiring slow is important. And, you know, you could have somebody who is a CEO and a dynamic pastor, and that's a rare hybrid, but it's out there. But it might take a six month hiring process to find that person who is authentically everything that you need rather than just bringing somebody in to fill a position. And I do think we get desperate when we're exhausted, when we need the help. And I understand that. I also know that there are a lot of staff who are disgruntled and they'll scream wolf in sheep's clothing just to, you know, they'll, they'll scream fire just to cause mayhem. And that's also taking discernment. And so leaders, I hear you, this is a hard one, but I would tell you pastors, really investigate who you're bringing into your staff, who can pastor your staff, who can pastor one another. That's the goal. Even if people don't have title pastor, they should still have the heart of a shepherd. And and that's really what we're looking for, our people with shepherds' hearts.
0: Well, Natalie, this is so good. And listen, you're uh, an incredible author. I know you've been a worship leader, women's director (laughs) at a super large church, um, and uh, you have this incredible ministry. And so next week, we are gonna really focus in on how do we create that healthy uh, culture at a church so that rather than being a church that hurts, uh, we're a church that heals. And how do we do that effectively? Because listen, right now, we're in a crossroads in America. Church is going one way. I know at World Challenge, I know yourself, we are praying for an authentic awakening in the church, but that is not going to happen when we're hurting. That that's going to happen when we're healing and people are finding the joy and the power of Christ and it's being lived out. Amen. Amen. Hey, hey, would you take a quick maybe moment and maybe pray for some pastors and leaders that are watching, and then um, and then uh, we'll we'll bring this to a close.
1: Absolutely. God, I thank you uh, for every pastor and leader who's listening to this. God, you see every need that needs to be met. You see every congregation and those who have been wounded and those who are helping bring people into a place of healing. God, and I I just pray for a special grace and peace to fall on every leader today. God, that they would know they're not doing it by their own strength. God, that it's only by your might and your power. God, that they're even able to stand in the positions that they're in and do it with the uh, love that you've asked them to do it with. So I pray pray for more of your your presence, more of your Holy Spirit, more of your wisdom and conviction and discernment. God, to go with them as they go into every staff meeting and uh, you know opportunities to hire and the hard part of firing, Lord, that they would know they're not alone, that they have a God who has never taken his eyes off of them. And that even now in the tension of this deconstruction movement and and people not trusting the church, God, that the church is yours and it's your idea. And anything that's your idea is a good idea. And so, God, you love your church. And I pray that you would just uh, infuse us with that same love, God, for even difficult people, even hard leaders, God, that we would be reminded that they're still your children and that you have a good plan for them and for your church. And we submit to that. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Uh, Natalie Runyon, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, Thank you for joining with us uh, today on Leader to Leader with Pastor John Bailey. And we're gonna come back next week uh, and do a second part to this. And I just wanna just invite you to to like or share, subscribe. If you have a friend that you know that maybe has gone through some hurt or a pastor leader that this would be helpful to, share it along. And we pray you have a really blessed week in Jesus' name.